Hi, welcome to episode 37 of Thrifty Cast. This episode is all about Kathleen's pottery adventures in the <laughs> North Woods. Ooh, lucky you. Um, <laughs> so this is Kathleen and... And this is Eric. And we are happy to be talking to you. We know it's been a while, mm-hmm. but uh, we've been away. It's it's July, it's summer, and that's a traditional time to go away. It's summer enough where I'm going to be eating frozen yogurt throughout this recording. Sorry. And I'm drinking iced tea. And the windows are open, so hopefully the dog will not freak out. But no promises can be made. If it was a little bit further south, one of us would have a julep. <laughs> and that would be great. Uh-huh. But we're not further south. Yeah, that's true. So, anyway. Um, still hot, though. It is. It's a little muggy today. So, it's been a month. Um, it has, or, yeah. or over a month since we recorded. But a lot has happened in that month. Um, mainly, uh, a lot of north woods of Wisconsin... Um, you want to talk about that? <laughs> sure, because you're eating frozen yogurt. Mm-hmm. So I went um, to visit my mom, who lives in the north woods of Wisconsin. And I went up there and stayed for just over three weeks, which gave me a nice amount of time to visit a bunch of different thrift stores that I like up there more than once, which was something nice about this trip. Yeah, and I, I've actually, just so everybody at home knows, I came to visit you twice mm-hmm. during that time, once towards the beginning and once towards the end. So Eric kind of popped in and out, and then mm-hmm. in between did some Chicago thrifting, which mm-hmm. I obviously could not do because I was in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our talk today is related to things that we found mm-hmm. and things that we found that sort of inspired us to have this conversation, and mm-hmm. yeah. Well... Let's talk about the Red Wing Museum. So you you went to the Red Wing Museum. What is that and where is that? So the Red Wing Museum is um, in Red Wing, Minnesota, which is right on the Mississippi. Really a beautiful town, Red Wing. If you ever have the chance to get there, I recommend it. How far is that from Minneapolis? Oh, God, I don't know. Sorry, oh. we went there from my mom's place. So oh, it was like an hour and a half. I don't know. I don't know. Google it, people, if you're that curious. In a land where there are no interstates, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it really was. It was all like weird back roads. Pretty, I bet. It really was beautiful, mm-hmm. and it was a really beautiful day, and I had never been there, but I had wanted to go because I am kind of a pottery fiend. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could see my apartment besides the mess, you would see... <laughs> Um, an amazing amount of pottery yeah. that I have collected over the years. You love pottery. I do. I'm not a huge Red Wing collector because, oddly enough, it does not show up in Chicago very much, which I actually talked to somebody at the museum about a huh. little bit. Um, so, anyway, the Red Red Wing Museum um, mm-hmm. has Red Wing pottery, and Red Wing is also known for Red Wing shoes and boots. I have no idea those were related. Yes, and they have, they they did like a cows on parade thing that Chicago did where we Uh had these decorated cows around town. A lot of cities have done it with different things. Uh They have giant boots around the town where you can go see Hmm. like decorated boots. Anyway. The town of Red Wing. The town of Red Wing. Okay. Yeah. So there are two museums there. You can go see pottery (laughs) or you can go see boots. Okay. Something something for everybody. Exactly. Um, I did not see boots because we only had a limited amount of time. Anyway, so if you're not familiar with Red Wing, they started making Crocs, those big, giant, sort of white, beigey, cream-colored Crocs that usually had a number on the side that indicated the number of gallons, like two, four, ten, 
up to huge amounts. These are really highly collectible now. They started making them in the late 1800s. Because again, this was a river town. There's clay in the in the ground. It was a good place to open up a pottery factory. What did people use the crocs for? It's a really good question. They used them to store things. This is obviously pre-Pyrex, pre-Tupperware, uh -huh. you know, pre all those things. So actually, people... pre-electric refrigeration. Yeah, really yeah. good point. So uh -huh. people um, lived a much more rural life at that time, and lots of farm families and rural families used them to store. Everything, everything from grain and animal feeds to things in the house. Butter. Yeah, there was actually an ad for the appropriate size crock to make sauerkraut at home. And they recommended between 10 and 20 gallon crocks. That is way more sauerkraut than I ever want to experience in my life. But I guess if you were making it, you were really supposed to go for it. Yeah, you, you make sauerkraut and you commit. You do. Uh, apparently. And I, I mean, the reason you make sauerkraut, obviously, so it keeps forever. Mm -hmm. So in, in a time where maybe you couldn't jar everything or you're looking for um, something a little simpler for canning, it makes sense that you would go out and get a two-gallon, four-gallon, eight-gallon, ten-gallon vat. Twenty-gallon. <laughs> yeah. Giant vat and make it in quantity and, you know, you keep it in your root cellar or whatever and just scoop out a hearty help in a crowd when you when you're feeling yeah, it all winter long i'm guessing yeah um so they made these crocs for a long time they made them for lots of different companies they advertised mm -hmm. on the sides of them you know companies use them as giveaways or they sold a product in them and you got the crock or paid for the crock with the purchase that you made and if i can interject yeah. something weird and in a weird coincidence after the first time i was in wisconsin that, that you and i were up there I went on this other little, directly to this other little mini kind of road trip to around um, like Crown Point, Indiana, just a couple hours south of Chicago, um, Monticello, Indiana, around there. Ended up going into this antique store and I bought a crock. Um, Which is a quirky coincidence because right. we had not discussed. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's kind of outside the world of thrifting because in, in my entire life, of thrifting, I don't think I've ever, ever seen a croc in a thrift. Yeah, I, and I don't really buy crocs, so I, this was not the part of the museum that I was, you know, most mm -hmm. jazzed to see. It was more sort of what came after that, but yeah. I, I was intrigued. Um, well, now, the croc that I bought of this antique store, and this is a really reasonably priced antique store, right? Um... Sorry, I've got a mouthful of yogurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do. It's really delicious. Um, He's eating it right from the container, too. I just want to mention. Yeah, there's there's no dignity here. So uh, it was 45 bucks. It's a two-gallon. And that little stamp on the side, and this is why I picked this one out as opposed to any of the others. It's got a little acorn on it. Mm -hmm. um, like a stylized acorn stamp with NH written in it. I have no idea what it is. I've been too lazy to Google it. Doesn't really matter anyway. But two gallons was perfect to hold a lot of kitchen utensils. So anyway, so Crocs. Yeah, so Crocs. So so anyway, that's a, a sort of a big part of the museum, and these things go for like between hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars. The really big ones, the advertising ones. Um, it's just kind of amazing. It's like anything that people collect, right? If you if you collect it and you really know it and you know that world, you get the value of it. It was hard for me to understand the value of some of those things, but 
so the museum just had examples of, of lots of different crocs of different sizes. Yes, that was a part of the museum. And then, you know, around the 20s, I guess teens, 20s, when a lot of companies started to make art pottery. So this was decorative pottery um, that had an artistic bent that wasn't really um, utilitarian. It wasn't a bowl. It mm-hmm. wasn't a platter. It was a decorative vase or a decorative um, bowl that went on the middle of your table that you mm-hmm. put fruit in and, you know, never touched. Candlesticks, all kinds of things like that. They started making art pottery. And strictly decorative, strictly. Well, I mean, you could use a base, you could sure. use candlesticks, but yeah, I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't for the um, woman who just made 10 or 20 gallons of sauerkraut <laughs> to use, <laughs> to use in the mm-hmm. kitchen. It was to put on your mantle or your table to mm-hmm. look pretty. Um, but they made a lot of really beautiful pieces and that, I mean, that's kind of my thing. So that's what I was most excited to see. Um, Again, it, we don't, for some reason, get a lot of Red Wing here. And it's weird because it, it's not that far away from Chicago. You would think that people from Chicago would have visited there mm-hmm. and would have come back with it. But I was I was asking one of the women who worked at the museum, and she said, yeah, there are weird pockets. Like, there are little pockets. Not exactly. She was talking a little bit about the East Coast. It shows up, and obviously, in the Minneapolis area, Ohio, um, just mm. just some of the places where it, it wound up being sold a lot, but Chicago is not one place. So anyway, so they had a lot of that, which I love looking at. Again, some is beautiful and some of it is just not my taste, but I can enjoy the aesthetics of it. Um, and then they started making dishware and it was really interesting. So when, when was art pottery and when did they drift into dishware? Oh, wow. Remember? You're really asking me to remember things from this tour. And by tour, I mean walking through the museum unguided. I don't remember. Um, I know there were women, because they had pictures, like in the 40s painting. Hmm. Probably didn't do it during World War II, I'm thinking, because... Painting the... the Painting the dishes, the dishware. Oh, okay. So they used, for the Mm. most part, a set... um, a set shape and design for their dishware, but they had lots of different patterns and they had women who painted the designs onto the dishware. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. They had a part of the museum that they had set up like a, like a storeroom almost. Mm-hmm. And they had crates of undelivered um, dishware. Mm-hmm. And you could look at like 20 saucers from the same pattern next to each other. Mm-hmm. And you could see how much they differed. I mean, it was the uh-huh. same pattern, but, you know, whether Barb painted it or Meg or Tilly or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Barb on a bad day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You could really, you could see that. I was there with my mom, too, and that drove her crazy. She was like, look, on this one, you can see, like, three little marks. And here uh-huh. there's only two. My mother would have been the person in the store, uh-huh. like, looking for the things that looked perfectly alike. So that that was interesting. They had a, a nice setup to look at those things. Plus, it was just sort of interesting to think where these crates like marked with red wing and dusty and old were mm-hmm. sitting. Yeah. Cause the, the factory had been closed for a long time. Um, I think uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, the jewel tea, mm-hmm. um, autumn leaves pattern. That's, that's really collectible. And that, that I, I've actually seen some of at thrifts that'll show up. They're usually not in great shape. Sometimes they're pretty good, but yeah. Um, I've seen bowls, and actually this happened as recently as last week, I've seen bowls where I'm like, uh, this this looks exactly like the Jewel Tea pattern 
with no design on it. It's that same Art Deco-y mm-hmm. look, but without the pattern. And so, I mean, it's interesting. I bet that's something that was widely done. And I'm also kind of wondering now if the Jewel T pattern was hand done. I don't know. I, I don't think so. That seems very uniform to me. Yeah, I think that that's like a, a decal isn't the right word, but uh-huh. sort of the equivalent of that. Uh, what do they call that that process that they... Um, that process that they use for like Blue Willow and other transfer. Oh, transfer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the other things that I, I learned at that museum is there had been this, um, not had, but I have a piece of pottery that's marked rum rill, and I had no idea what that was. I think uh-huh. if I'd Googled better, I would have found out. But for a few years, Red Wing made pottery for a guy who set up a company by this uh-huh. name. It was his last name. And for a few years, he hawked sort of his own line of art pottery which was gorgeous Uh it was so pretty and um i mean it was a thing but it just didn't last very long i don't know why it didn't last but they were the the factory the company Uh that made it and it was just sold under somebody's name so so he designed it and sold it. yeah okay yeah or or he had designers that did it under his name okay sure so they, they differed from any of the other stuff that the company was mm-hmm. putting out. It's not just like he kind of inserted himself in the yeah. supply chain. Or or just took their pattern or mm-hmm. took their designs and yeah. called them his. No, yeah. he had completely different designs. Mm-hmm. And they were really beautiful. So that was a little mystery that I had solved for me. Um, do you know what years his company was in operation? I don't. If I, I love dates. Oh, if I, I had known we were uh, going to talk about it in this uh, detail, <laughs> I would have taken some notes when I walked through the museum. You know, I, I love dates when it comes to stuff like this, uh, or, you know, rough decades or, or whatever the case is. 20s or 30s. 20s or 30s. That 30s, helps. I'll say. Um, because it helps kind of put things in the context of like, oh, this other art pottery stuff mm-hmm. is going on and... Um, you know, it gives you a sense of kind of what the economy was doing roughly mm-hmm. so that the context that that stuff happens in is always kind of mm-hmm. interesting to me. Yeah. So it, it was gorgeous. Um, and I, I have, like I said, I have one small vase and mm-hmm. I got it at an antique store in Evanston that I shop at. It's not something I have ever seen in a thrift store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not the kind of thing that I think was terribly common because mm-hmm. it was only made for a few years. Was it pretty spendy when you saw it in the? No, antique store? it really wasn't. But oh. that thr- that antique store is just not very expensive. Yeah. So that that's part of it, which is why I like it so much. Competitive price. Exactly. Yes. Um, anyway, so they also made some. I'm going to call it fiesta like, mm-hmm. only in that they were solid colors. Mm-hmm. And they were plates, bowls, salt and pepper shakers, just in a, a simple sort of shape mm-hmm. and a wide variety of add-ons that uh, Homer Laughlin did for Fiesta. And then um, Harlequin, the other line that they made that looks a lot like Fiesta, but isn't and has the same colors. Harlequin's also Homer Laughlin, though, right? Yeah. Same company. Same colors. Same colors. Yeah. Okay. Different different design. So they, they did that, and I have not really seen that. So I don't know where that shows up in the world of thrifting, antique stores. But it was really beautiful. My poor mother, I have to say, was really tolerant because I was like a kid who had been sugared up at this point. Mm-hmm. I was talking a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a dork at this uh-huh. place. People were walking in, looking around for, like, 
10 minutes in leaving. Uh-huh. We were there for almost two hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, talk- and we were the youngest people there. <laughs> I mean, talk about, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing, you know, you have these like wealthy dowagers looking at how mm-hmm. to spend an afternoon in the Minneapolis social elite, you know? <laughs> and, and so they decide to go to this, oh, we read about this in the paper. But, um, I mean, this is your passion. This is yeah, something I, you're fascinated by and that yeah. you love. Yeah, I mean, I think short of going to the, like, the Fiesta factory, if yeah. I could go to Homer Laughlin and see mm-hmm. that, which I could, you can mm-hmm. take tours, I, that would make me pretty giddy. Yeah. Um, but but this was pretty great. The, the thing that, that I was going to tell Eric before, and he was like, save it for the podcast... <laughs> Um, don't give away the farm. I, I know, I know. So, so I'm at this point where I'm, I'm my most hyper and we're also starting to get really hungry and we can see kind of the end in sight. Um, they had this little area that was set up sort of like a forties, early fifties living room. Mm-hmm. Like they had this cool kind of rattan and, um, like leather naga hide kind of furniture. Uh-huh. And I'm um, picturing like the set of the golden girls with magenta leather cushions instead of the yeah there was green it tropical was green print. okay and there was some good bark cloth and um they had an old tv mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. the old tv was a little bit later but yeah the best thing about this and this is a total tangent was they had a sears catalog from 1930 I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to look through an old sears catalog mm-hmm. especially from 1930 I pretty much could have spent the rest of the day sitting there on that couch reading that Sears catalog. Wow. If I had a bigger purse and no morals, <laughs> I would have been so tempted to take it, but I am a better person mm-hmm. than that. Um, but no, I really want one now. I mean, it was just so interesting to look through, to see prices of things and all the things Sears sold. Oh, it was you, fascinating. The only Sears catalogs that I remember are the ones that actually came to the house growing up in the 70s. Me um, too. And I think they came, uh, the, you know, the last one of those that showed up or that I remember noticing may have been early to mid 80s. It may have been that late. But in the 70s, it's like, oh, the catalog came in and, you know, it was always like, Hmm, what what's going on in the world of tough skins? And it would be, <laughs> you know, like kids my age, like standing next to a tree stump with one leg up, like smiling at the camera. That's how, what I remember. How does the pretty plus section look like? <laughs> yes, I was a pretty plus shopper, <laughs> and I've never really let that go. Um, yeah, this just so it was such a wide array of things mm-hmm. because obviously people who had no access to stores, yeah, or or had to travel great distances to stores, you know, shop from this catalog. But it was really there, I think, to put some of the the prices in perspective because they had some ads Uh, for some of the pottery and some of the dishware mm -hmm. um, from various points in time. You know, they didn't necessarily have it for 1930, which was the year of the catalog. But but to just kind of compare what people spent on Mm -hmm. things and... Um, that was really interesting. And like I said, that's a total tangent, but it has now made me realize that if I can ever find that a Sears catalog from that time period, I am buying it. That is really smart museum stewardship too. Yeah. Like just those, first of all, it's like, oh, it's, it's this, it's made up in a different era, which when you're in a setting like that, it really changes your perspective mm-hmm. in that moment. It changes your perspective. Um, 
I, oh, I watched this. Uh, this is going to sound unrelated. I swear it's not. But I watched this documentary about Downton Abbey, and they're talking about <laughs> being in corsets and and how uh, you felt so constrained. You felt constrained by tradition, but you felt constrained in your clothes. And they were saying as the show drifted more into the 20s and things got sort of looser and freer, that their experience and the, the actor's experience and the clothes they were wearing um, really... Uh, did that, but to be to be on that furniture and what it felt like to be sitting in that furniture with mm-hmm. that kind of arrangement, um, to have such a visceral and kind of like tactile experience in the past is it's great for a museum. Yeah, I think so it smart. helped. It helped too because it was not, as you can imagine, an enormous museum. It was free to get in. You know, they had a little mm-hmm. collection bin, so mm-hmm. if you wanted to donate money, you could. It had a lot of cases of pottery that you could not touch because, of course, it's really breakable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they needed a few things that sort of broke up like, great, I'm looking at another vase, mm-hmm. um, which to me was great. I'm looking at another vase. Mm-hmm. But to some people was not that. And they had a couple different displays that did that that were really interesting. But that was the one that I, I was really in love with. Um, so yeah, it was just, I mean, they, they also made some, some outdoor sort of garden pieces, uh-huh. um, like big, I never say this right, jardiniers. Is that right? It's French. I, and, and you know me in languages, they're always bad, but they really were just big pottery pots uh-huh. for your garden. Yeah. Some of them also had a pedestal uh-huh. that was pottery. That was a separate piece. Uh-huh. So you could just buy the pot if you wanted, but you could also buy the pedestal. Um, they made those, they made just, you know, a few kind of outdoor pieces. So they had a little area like that set up and then they had some information on some of the designers, some mm-hmm. of the people who had actually either done the painting. It was interesting. All the, the men who worked at the factory, you know, actually made the pottery uh-huh. or, or did the designing for the most part. And uh-huh. the women who worked there were the ones who did the painting. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that kind of later in the life of the factory that changed a bit, but that that certainly was kind of the heyday mm-hmm. of the factory. There were some pretty strict gender roles. Um, unsurprisingly. Really unsurprisingly. The factory closed um, and the building is still there and it's actually used for some stores and the museum used to be in there, but it moved across the way into a bigger building. Um, but they have opened, a part of it has reopened as Red Wing Pottery mm-hmm. and they do make pottery now mm-hmm. um they make crocs and they make <laughs> some other things they don't really have a line of dishware but um we did look at at some of the things that they sell mm-hmm. which are are very pretty and not dissimilar from what they used to sell yeah so so that was my trip to red wing well yeah, what sounds so great about that is like you never know what you're going to get when you go into a museum i remember there was one day where you and i mm-hmm. decided that we were going to go down to the hyde park neighborhood here in chicago mm-hmm. And we went to the University of Chicago's... The Oriental Museum. Yeah, the Oriental Museum. Um, and I remember just being so... You know, you're, you're surrounded by these ancient artifacts and, you know, from so many different cultures. And I remember being bored out of my mind. And I love that museum. <laughs> and I want to be clear, it's Orient <laughs> as defined in, yes, the, yeah. in the tens and teens. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's... um. It's sort of the Middle East, Egypt. Well, that would be the Uh Middle East. Yeah. That'd be Africa. Anyway, I'm really showing my terrible geography, (laughs) but it's not, it's not sort of Asia. Yeah. 1950s (laughs) East Asia, you know, racist reference. Yeah. But it's, uh, 
but yeah, like I said, I, I remember going to that museum and it, it, this thing happened there where I was like, ah, more broken pottery with yeah language on it. I don't understand. And, and I think part of it had to do with the way that museum is set up is that really all, all you can do is walk through mm-hmm. and look at things through cases that are kind of confusingly labeled, which is another issue I took with it. But, um, yeah, the they, way, the they could that, restructure, yeah. especially the beginning of it. Yeah. So I, you know, it's great that, um, uh, it sounds like this museum did a really good job of sort of telling a story mm-hmm. about how the products from this factory evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, um, also sounds like the stuff they had was really pretty and it was a really comprehensive, mm-hmm. um, you know, unlike the Oriental Museum, they also have the benefit of everything being made basically in-house. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're able to look at their own kind of catalog as opposed to archaeological digs. Well, and in the last hundred and, what, 30 years yeah, or so, yes. um, I will just say the Oriental Museum has a mummified hawk from Egypt, which is just the coolest thing. Um, I mean, there are a lot of amazing things mm-hmm. there, but I, I really like the mummified hawk. I know that it's nothing to do with thrifting, but, but since we're yeah. all over the place today anyway, <laughs> when in Hyde Park, <laughs> please visit. Are you getting a kickback? No, it's Is just there... a great, okay. I know you were bored, but it's a great little museum. And it's on the campus of the University of Chicago, which I, is fun to walk around. Yeah, I, I love museums. I love the University of Chicago campus. I love the Hyde Park neighborhood. That museum was like... The opposite of an oasis. But you're on the south side then, and there are good thrift stores there. Always. Oh, bringing it back. Yes. She brings it back. There you go. Anywho. So the um. So so in addition to to the fact that that this was such a great museum, that kind of calls to mind the fact. I wonder what other museums are out there. You mentioned the Fiesta Museum. Um, that is actually uh something that's kind of worth checking out to see when you think about the things mm-hmm. that, especially for um, you guys out there who are more the collector thrifters to um, explore, you know, what, what resources are out there and what, what kind of experiences are out there as far as um, museums and other theme parks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? When I hold a pottery theme park, God, everybody but me bored. Um, <laughs> When I was little, though, I went to the Hager Pottery Factory Tour, uh-huh. which in, also had a museum. In Hager, you can find yeah. all the time, all the time in Chicago at thrift stores. Because it was made in what, Dundee? Yes, really close. <laughs> made out yeah. of the suburbs. I mean, we, it, was, it was an easy, it's an easy thing for us to find here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hager is still made. It's just not made mm-hmm. here, yeah. I don't think. Um, but yeah, I went when I was little and that made, when I think about it, that made a huge impression on me, that Mm -hmm. tour and looking at that, Mm -hmm. that, um, like small, I don't remember really a museum. I just remember kind of some displays, but, but yeah, so, so there are other ones out there. We would be curious if you've ever gone on a tour related to something you collect, if you've ever gone to, I don't know, like the Ball of Twine Museum <laughs> or... The other thing I'm curious about is if anybody out there is in an area where Red Wing Pottery shows up oh, yeah. on the regular. Um, to just kind of track where some of those bizarre pockets are. And it is, it is so strange to me that it wouldn't be Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We saw a couple pieces of it when we were in Wisconsin last year mm-hmm. and I didn't buy it. Are you kind of kicking yourself? Well, for one thing was really pretty. I should have bought it. But anyway, can't go back. 
So um, find of the week, given that we've been gone for a month, we've got a long kind of span of time we're choosing from. So find of the week really isn't an accurate way of putting it. Find of the past month, I guess. Uh, Or maybe you can list more than one find. Something like that. Ooh, I need to think about this for a minute. Okay, I can go. Go. Um, So my find, I'm sitting here looking at it. It is a piece of sheet music with Bing Crosby on the front because I have a little bit of a Bing Crosby thing, minus, you know, all the abuse. Um, And it's for the song Pretending. It was 10 cents at the um, Animal Animal League or Humane Society thrift store in Hayward, Wisconsin. And I just was so excited. They had a lot of really good sheet music. And this was great. So I don't know what year this is from. Uh, 1946. And it's in really good shape. So 10 cents. That was a favorite. Nice. I probably have some other things to mention, but you can go. Nice. The um, uh, the thing that, that's on my list it was the first time that I was up in Wisconsin in July. So it was around like July 1st, July 2nd. I got a set of six cowboy mugs um, with kind of leather holsters, I guess you would call them. They're kind of, they seem Cozies. like, they seem like 1940s, <laughs> 1950s, maybe they were in the expensive part of the section. So they were $3 each. So I actually spent 18 bucks for the set, which is way, way more than I would normally spend at a thrift. But these were just awesome. And, um, they're just crying out for a root beer float. So I will uh, take a picture and get that up on the site, but that's going to be uh, one of my finds um, of, of recent weeks. Do you have any other ones you want to mention? Or uh, You know, the only other thing that comes to mind is that I found a, um, I never pronounce it right, because again, French, but it's uh, Le Croiset, I think. Um, <clears throat> it's just a Le Croiset salt cellar, like one of those just little, it looks like a, Somebody shrank a uh, like Le Creuset mm-hmm. casserole thing, um, you know, which isn't. It's not that interesting, not that special. Like you can buy them new everywhere, but when you buy them new, they're like twenty eight to thirty six bucks, which is wildly overpriced. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. It's. I think it's one of those things where you're kind of paying for the brand name. Um, I found one at a Salvation Army in perfect condition. Price tag still in the bottom. They were originally the the. Uh, Suggested retail was 28. Somebody got it at like a home goods or Marshall's or something like that. Somebody paid 18. I got it for a buck 86. So, um, just in terms of just practical thrifting, it was just, it was a nice gift to be able to, to kind of give to somebody. And they don't know, have to know how much I paid. Unless they listen to this podcast and then they know. Whoops. <laughs> um, the only other thing I would say is I, I put a picture on Facebook that was not, great but i found a ton of fabric mm-hmm. um at one particular salvation army in wisconsin everything from pieces of fabric to pieces that have been cut into squares for quilts um to some actual pieces of sunbonnet sam and sunbonnet sue if you know anything about quilts um and, and those are are also sort of mini finds of the week awesome okay well time to wrap up thank you all so much for listening to this episode 37 about pottery, specifically Red Wing, and museums, and a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) We'll post pictures of our finds of the week. We would love for you to post any pictures you have of great things you've thrifted um, or stories you want to include on our Facebook page, which is just ThriftyCast. 
Yeah, all you got to do is search for Thrifty Cast, and there we are. All right, I got to get this yogurt away. It's so melty right now. Okay, bye. Bye.